friends, and welcome back to another episode of Let's, Let's Get, Get Spooky. Spooky. I'm Vamp. I'm AJ. And today we are talking about, this is a little bit of a heavy topic. Yes. Um, so we're going to preface that because the stories are all pretty serious and pretty intense. Um, and the topic is held captive. Um, we've done our research. We have some really great stories to share with you. And first, we're going to start off with some films and shows that are kind of along that line. I'll let you start. Yeah. Um, first off, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. We all love that one. And obviously. in movie form, this topic is great. You yeah. Know, in, in yeah. Film form. You know, when it's, when it's happening on the screen and it's some weird psycho guy who is capturing women and whole like holding them captive in a well in his house and making skin suits out of them. It's, you know, it, it's that little bit of separation. It's Doesn't beyond seem the realm real. of yeah, reality. It's just like entertainment. Yes. But when we get into the actual, like, and, and a lot of these things, I mean, not that film in particular, but um, a lot of other films and shows are loosely based on some of these stories, um, which we will get into a little bit further, but sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> Um, another one, which I haven't seen because it's not out yet, The Black Phone, but I've seen the trailer a few times. I'm really, I haven't uh, seen it yet either, but I'm very, very excited yeah, for I'm it. Very it's soon interested. though. Yeah. Soon? It's coming out in June. Okay. That's very soon. A couple months. Yeah. We're almost there. Um, but yeah, that one looks interesting. He, it's a guy in a creepy mask who holds a child captive. And this one, I, I'm not sure, obviously from the trailer, it kind of seems like it has like a supernatural element where he there's a phone in the room and it's not connected to anything, but he keeps receiving phone calls and it seems to be the voices of past children who have been held captive and most likely killed by this person and kind of helping him escape. So we'll circle back yeah. after we see it. Um, so I have one that is, um, it's called The OA and this was a show that was on Netflix I'm um, I'm pretty sure there was two seasons. It was really great. I loved it. It's super wild. It's not like anything I'd seen before, um, but it did get canceled. So if you want to watch it, I do recommend. It's a great watch, um, but don't have your hopes up because after it ends, you're like, oh, I want more. it, it had happens? so much potential. So basically this show is told in flashback versions. So um, a girl and a, a group of people are abducted and held captive. And you find out later on that they share... Um, a commonality and that's they all had near-death experiences so um i feel like it's really hard to explain because there's so much going on in it but it's it's um a captivity story that is not necessarily heavy it's mm -hmm. not like um these people are i mean they're being held captive that's terrible um but the storyline is basically unraveling a lot of other things from like supernatural um, it's just super interesting. So I would highly recommend, um, giving it a watch, but again, don't have your hopes up because it, the, the last episode we watched and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for the next season. And then like time went by and time went by and they're like, uh, no, it's canceled. And I'm like, damn you sad. Netflix, so anything sad. that I love. <laughs> um, so there is a little bit of touching on the whole Stockholm syndrome thing, which we'll get into a little bit further in the episode. Um, so you're getting that whole idea of uh, someone holding you captive. And I think the main question in a lot of these stories is like, why do you stay? In this case of the show, they can't, they're like in clear cells. There's no way to escape. Um, but 
I guess we'll touch into that as well because I feel like each story you always have that question of like, why, how, mm. how did this person not like go crazy and escape? But there's a reason why that happens. Oh yeah, there's a lot of tricks that are being played on these people, unfortunately. And then my other one, I haven't seen this yet. This is a newer film. It's called uh, Girl in the Basement. It came out in 2021. It's available on Prime Video. Um, this is based on the true story of Elizabeth Fritzel, which is one of my stories. Hopefully we have time to get to this one, um, who was held uh, captive by her own father in their basement for 24 years. I don't understand. Okay. Doing doing research, it, Cameron was so annoyed by me because as I'm reading these stories, I'm just like, ha, what? How? How How many? What? That's decades. How mm. does that even happen? There's other people around. Um, but I think that's why these stories are so fascinating is because we can't understand how it's possible. Like on all on all sides. The person who is do who, who the perpetrator. The captor. Like, like how? Like, what makes you think that it's okay to, like, do that to someone else? Yeah. Like, that's awful. And I, I mean, it's awful in any uh, way, shape, or form. But when it's your own father or someone an, that is... an extra little bit of Someone that you've developed a sense of trust with, or at least in your mind at one point you had, you trusted them. Um, it is just like, oh, I don't know. So, um those are my two, the OA and Girl in the Basement. And again, OA is on Netflix. Girl in the Basement is available on Prime Video. Yeah. The other one that we talked about, which I forgot to write down, which obviously popped in my head, uh, Saw, the Saw movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Saw franchise, they definitely uh, hold people captive yeah, and they do nail. some awful things. And, and I think that, that in that kind of light of those kind of movies, you're you're not necessarily focused on the whole captivity thing it's more about like the gore and how yeah. far are they going to go and what are the contraptions going to be like um and so you kind of lose sight of the initial really bad thing that happened how they is actually like, got into this situation yeah they're like we're just going to go on vacation it's going to be super fun oh just kidding oh, just you kidding. know oops my head is in a a box with scorpions and yeah. I have to eat all of them to get a key or I don't know I can't make up but I, I feel like saw. in some of the in like in that case in particular like the person that is doing the the bad things is doing it for a reason whether or not you agree with that reason they are giving a valid reason of like you did this bad thing now you're going to pay for it mm -hmm. in a lot of these cases these are innocent people oh uh, yeah they have done nothing wrong they have no reason for this to be happening to them um so real life is spooky and yes. terrifying yes um um huh, okay <laughs> I'm like, I'm like stressed out already and we haven't I even know. started. <laughs> Take a moment. Uh, yeah. Like when I was doing research for this, it brought up kind of like something that happened to me before. Cause there's a few times in my life where I'm like, how am I still alive? Like I told the story before of how I almost drowned at the uh, water park. The water park. Um, like, you know, I've almost like, I used to go skiing with my family and I would just go full speed down the hill and I would crash and I have no idea how I'm like not either dead or paralyzed um a few other things and then They're also like bunny slopes black yeah, bunny, diamond you're like black, black diamond. diamond no break what? <laughs> I do seven. not need to break um but specifically these ones kind of reminded me um when I was in college so this was like what seven years ago six years ago um so I went to college in San Francisco and the main 
way to get around in the city is public transportation. Mm -hmm. So I would take the bus. um, And it wasn't the easiest because I lived in the Presidio, which is, um, it has its own bus system that goes within the Presidio. And then there's uh, a couple buses that will then take you out of the Presidio. Um, But then, so I would, to get to, to, classes i would take two or three buses oh wow um so i would have to take one out of the presidio and then take one downtown or and then another one if i was going into another location so it's like a, a thing it was a it's trek. not like a like it was easy, like an hour sometime like hour hour and a half tr- uh, like you know journey journey to to school um sometimes when i sometimes i would have like a later class and i would be coming back home and it would be late and it'd be dark mm-hmm. um so i'd there was one night where I was sitting at the bus stop waiting for the bus that would bring me into the tr- at the Presidio. This bus, like, where I was sitting at that stop, um, it only has, like, three more stops after that. So, like, if you're sitting at that bus stop waiting for that bus, like, you know These where you're going. These three places, right? You can't be going any farther than yeah, that. Yeah, there's, like, there's really only two places where you can go. Um, like down the street, which at that point just walk or into the Presidio. So I'm sitting there waiting for the bus and this one, it was very infrequent. It wasn't like, cause a lot of the other buses, it's like you miss a bus. Another one's oh, going to be there or an in hour. like five minutes. Oh, fast. Okay. No. Yeah. Uh, but this one, it was like, sometimes I would be sitting there for like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sitting there, it's dark, it's late, obviously by myself. Um, a car pulled up right in front of me and was like and it was a guy in this in this it's like a uh like a compact car Mm -hmm. and he was like hey you live in the presidio right and i was like uh was he just fishing did he like like, i was like you didn't recognize him and he was like yeah i remember you do you want to ride and i'm like no, I'm okay. The bus is going to be here soon. And he's like, no, it's fine. I live in the Presidio too. I'll give you a ride in. And he's like, you know, I live above the, um, I think he said like, I live above the laundromat or like, or cause like each building or some of the buildings had like, you know, the laundry. Yeah. Yeah. Like unit. the laundry room. Not all of them had it. And there was a lot of, um, like these used to be military, um, like housing. Yeah. So, like, there's a bunch of them over there. Um, and I had never seen this guy before in my life. And he didn't say, like, hey, didn't it's me, say, Joe. Hey, it's, it's me. Yeah. This is my name. It was like, hey, you I live know there. You. I live there, too. Yeah. Do you want to sure ride? And I'm like, no, it's okay. I'm fine. I'd like, you know, the bus will be here. And he's like, no, I'll give you a ride. And I'm like, no, said, no I'm okay. You. And I was starting to get, like, I, like the alarms were going off yeah. in my head. Where I'm like, this is a weird situation. And this was, like, a corner where there was nothing really going on, like in the area, like people like there were cars going out. up and down the street, yeah. but that's like it was a major street right there, so it's not like I could like go and flag. There was no like a shop, a coffee yeah, shop. Yeah, there's no people shops or anything. Yeah. Be- I think behind me was a Jiffy Lube, and they were closed. And then oh, the other way was like houses or like apartments. Um, and he just kept pushing. I'll give you a ride. I'll give you a ride. And I'm like, no, I'm okay. And then I'm like, I started getting my phone mm-hmm. out to call my mom and he's like okay have a good night Mm. and then he drove off so that's like one of those moments where I'm like was he like was was he actually being a nice guy and actually wanted to give me a ride if you were a nice guy you would have led with hey 
I'm not trying to be, I actually know, <laughs> I'm not, I know, I'm, I'm not, not trying to abduct you. you. Although that probably would have thrown up red I mean, flags that, that could have been either way. It could have been like, let's it's say I'm like not going to abduct you. And then. I don't think there's the same rules where you're like, are you a cop? And they have to say yes. I like if I go, are you a murderer? He yeah, can lie to me. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like I feel like someone being so persistent. It was the way, yeah, when I said multiple times, like, no, I'm no, thank good. You. And you're still persisting to and ask he me was the still question. Like, no, it's fine. Until you did something that made him that yeah. made him then feel I was like, like he I'm was gonna threatened. call my mom, even though my mom is like six hours away. Yeah. And he doesn't know. He probably thinks you're gonna call the cops, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was just yeah. It was a really weird situation. I'm just like, oh my god. I think one really important thing to state, because I know that a lot of people have, like you said, there's a lot of times you think back at things and you're like, wow, was how, how am I still alive? Yeah. Really, it's so important to trust your gut because oh, we yeah. all have that inner mm-hmm. uh, subconscious that is looking out for you. And yeah. some people are more perceptive, perceptive than others, but I think it's really important when you feel like it's wrong, it's probably it's wrong. It's probably wrong. Something and, is happening. And don't ever doubt that because you don't ever want to have to look back and be like, well, you know, there was that 30 seconds where I looked over and I felt like something inside was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, trust your inner gut. And yeah. if you feel, excuse me, if you feel threatened or you feel like anything just doesn't feel right, don't do it. Yeah. Um, that's like when you're telling that story that gives me chills because I think about all of the times being younger and how much I remember my parents saying, don't trust strangers. Don't get in the car with strangers. Don't. And they would say it so much that I'm like, I'm not okay. Okay. Like I heard you, but there's, there's also so many times where we hear stories about people. It's someone, the person knew Mm -hmm. or loosely knew, or they made reference to a friend of a friend and you're like, Oh, how would they know Mary? You know? Um, or how would they know that I knew her? And you, you have that moment of like, Oh, this must be okay. And sometimes the doubt comes in too late. Yeah. So, um, I know I say this often, but if you take nothing from this, always trust your gut trust your gut and it's better to be wrong than yeah, like, to find out later that the yeah he yeah like even if it was a situation where nothing was going to happen me did getting you, a ride you would ever only see him me then i never saw him again see, and that's another liar. thing now that you just say that because i would always then think if that was me if if i was him and i did try to Hey, I'll give you a ride. You're trying to be a nice person? If I was genuinely trying to be a nice person, I would make a point to go and cross paths with that person from my house or in and be like, hey, I'm glad to see you got home. Yeah. Or, you know, not, maybe not that. That's creepy Not a murderer. I was just trying to be nice. Hey, guess what? I'm not a murderer. But like, I would have gone out of my way And you never saw the car? Or would you not remember the car? I don't think I would have remembered. I think I was too freaked out. But like, I... I never saw this person again. He was a murderer. I mean, I, 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 I hope that he wasn't a murderer, but all signs lead to all signs lead to murder. probably locked in a basement. So, yeah. So yeah. And like I said, like a lot of um, the story that I'm going to go through, like the way that he Approach. brought in these ladies is very much that same kind of thing. Uh, okay. So should I start sure. with mine? Um, so my story is about the Turpin family. And if you're not familiar with the Turpin family, um, they were 
a mother and a father with 13 children. Which is just nuts. Like that right off the bat, who needs that many children? <laughs> I don't well, I don't think they were like having them to be like, we need 13. I think that they just, they were in a cycle and this is what they did. And um, so uh, Louise Turp and her husband kept their 13 children prisoner for a majority of their lives. So when they were, when this all finally basically unfolded, I, th- I believe the oldest son was 22 years old. He had basically lived his life with his brothers and sisters as captives in a home. Um, so he he wasn't locked up necessarily in a basement or an attic or in a box or anything. But him and his brothers and sisters were often chained to their beds if they did something wrong. And actually, when the police came in, he was still shackled to um, his bed. Mm-hmm. 22 years old. Um the idea, like I, again, I'm getting chills because I just find this so infuriate, infuriating. Is that how you say infuriating? Infuri- because first of all, how does someone go to the hospital mm-hmm. and have 13 children? And granted, they were, I don't think all 13 children were born in the same hospital. They did live in different uh, states. Yeah. I believe they were in Texas. And then they ended up where this all unfolds is in Paris, Calif- Paris California, or River- Riverside, Riverside County. County. I believe it was Paris, California, which is... Southern California, it's like our backyard. Yeah, it's like um, very close. The fact that it was like this close, I'm like, and it ha- it was in a in a housing track. Mm-hmm. There was neighbors. The homes are like whenever you imagine a housing track where you could like reach out and your neighbor yeah. to grab sugar from their window. Like that's how close they were. Mm-hmm. So this family, this woman birthed thirteen children. Mm-hmm. Never, none of them ever went to school. They were all homeschooled, and no one ever checked the neighbors had been interviewed and we're like yeah they were we were talking about this they were super pale and they looked kind of like they don't go outside um but again you think of times now if this was in the 70s everyone was all up in everybody's business yeah the neighbors were like did you see so-and-so do whatever now people don't really talk to each other people avoid conversations you don't want to like open up and be chatty with your neighbors. You just kind of mind your business. Yeah, you're like, your business is your business. Mine is mine. You live separate. So in in that note, I guess I do kind of understand how it could go under the radar. But for two over two decades, that's yeah. where I'm like, I mean, I don't know how you could not say something, see something, anything. Um, so finally... Uh, the, I believe she was um, 18 years old. One of the daughters basically escapes. Mm-hmm. So she escapes. She uh, calls the police. And if you're, if you want to hear more about the story, there is a documentary um, on ABC. It's called ABC 2020. You can find it on Hulu. It's hosted by Diane Sawyer. And it's called Escape from a House of Horror. And it's basically interviewing not all of the children because I believe, um, I want to say seven of them were of age where they became mm-hmm. basically um, not property of the state because they were adults, but they the, the state was basically helping them get on their feet because they were at the age where they would have a job, go to school, drive. Yeah, that's drive. the thing. Like, you know, the, these things that we learn, you learn to drive, you get your first job, you learn how to save money, you learn how to do... I mean, even just the most basic things like communication. Emotions. What what would deem um, the one really, I mean, it's like, it's fascinating, but it's more so that it's tragic. When the young girl is trying to explain to the police 
what's happening. She's trying to explain what the house is like, um, that they're chained to the beds, that like the, the living situation. She's saying it in a way that is just talking. There's really no, she's not frantic. She's not like in tears. It's Mm -hmm. just like, this is my life. And she doesn't know, she's never taught what it is to be afraid, to be sad. Like they don't have those emotions because those are all learned things. Yeah. We have to learn that when this happens and you cry, it's because you're sad. If no one teaches you that, you don't know what's happening to Mm -hmm. your body. So it was like listening to a child robot explain these things that are just blasphemy like you're this is not okay but you don't hear it in her voice Mm -hmm. um so when the police officers go in if you watch this uh, documentary you see their body cam footage they go into this house it is filthy yeah just junk everywhere you can't see the floor um there's a photo of one of the rooms that some of the kids were living in and it's just covered in feces and pee and I mean I can't even imagine my main thing is like that would be so horrendous Mm -hmm. the smell the children were only allowed to have one meal a day Mm -hmm. and they were also only allowed to take one shower per year I have gone like six days without washing my hair and I feel like my skin is going like yeah like I there's I don't even I can't even comprehend how you could not be able to take a a bath or a shower for an entire year and also um the the young girl that finally did escape I believe she was 17 I think she was 18 right around 17 or 18 she was basically like 82 pounds from so much malnourishment her body just stopped developing so she looks like you know 13 14 Mm -hmm. year old girl and that is lifelong that's never it's it's not just gonna change and go Mm -hmm. back to normal um these children were robbed of their lives and the parents are in prison now so when this uh the article that i have came out was basically right after this had all been discovered they Mm -hmm. were going to trial but they have been sentenced um to i'm multiple life terms they are never getting out of prison um there's interviews with the relatives, I think the the mom's sister, and she explains how she can she can see that her sister's trauma, I guess they were kind of abused and they had a traumatic upbringing, influenced what she's done. She's mm-hmm. like, it's absolutely wrong. There's, I'm not, I'm not like giving her any sort of excuses. I'm not making it okay, mm-hmm. but I'm understanding that what happened to us was extremely traumatic for her. And this is how it played out. And when you see the courtroom investigations, you see the mom kind of cry. The dad doesn't really seem to, he was no emotions. Yeah. He, I'm pretty sure he worked at JPL, a very smart, intelligent person. Um, There are photos of family photos. They went to Disneyland. And that's like, yeah. Like the fact that they brought like, them out into the public but the kids didn't know enough they didn't know that their life was like you know if you're if if this has been your entire life you're like well this is just how it is everyone eats one meal a day oh if you're bad then you get shackled to the bed yeah that's just normal so it's like even in moments where they did go out and do family outings they they had no reason to go up to someone and be like hey i need help i need help because they didn't know they needed help exactly and so i'm I'm, I was looking at more information. And I'm like, how, 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 how? Um, they had a Facebook page and they would post photos of like, they would do the whole, like when they go to Disneyland, the thing one, thing two, thing three shirts, mm-hmm. like they would wear matching outfits. There's Up to an, 13? 
Yeah, I think they so. make it up to thirteen. I don't know. They were probably maybe they just drew it in. I didn't actually zoom in on the photo to okay. see if the numbers. They probably all just said thing one and thing two. Um, but there's an Easter photo, and they're all they're all wearing like they're matching. The girls are wearing all the matching Easter dresses, and so the family would post periodically things on Facebook mm-hmm. so that other relatives and other people that they knew would be like, oh, look at how cute all of them in their matching outfits. Like if you see that stuff without seeing what the inside of the house looked like or seeing that the kids, I mean, I feel like a lot of those they were posting when they were smaller Mm. because if you saw one when the kid's 22 years old and he looks like the stature of a 14 year old, something is clearly wrong or all the older girls look like their children. If you don't know anything's wrong, you're just like, oh, well they just, Maybe they're just small. Yeah. Like everyone looks happy. Everybody's smiling. Yeah. Um, in my mind, it just reinforces that whole fact of like, trust no one. Yeah. Trust no one. What you see on online is, it's not, is real. not always real. And, 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 and you're right. It's not always real. A lot of the times it can be real, but ask questions if you mm-hmm. feel something's wrong. Um, I think about all of those neighbors and all of the relatives, all the co- co-workers that were basically an arm's length away from 13 kids that were desperately in need of help Mm -hmm. and no one saw things. I guess the main thing was they all got tidbits Mm -hmm. when the kids went to Disneyland, when the, when they had the Easter celebration, the highlights highlights. and there was, they weren't living their life like we do now on social media Mm -hmm. where everyone's eyes are on you all the time. It was a secret life of torture for these kids. And I mean, I'm so grateful that, one of the kids was able to realize what was happening mm-hmm. to the point where she was willing to risk her life to save her brothers and sisters. Um, the thing that gets even more upsetting is when you watch this documentary or you hear other interviews or other stories is how much the system is failing the kids. Yeah. Cause I remember when you told me about this, the first question was like, wait, wouldn't they have like, wouldn't someone been like, Hey, this lady has this many kids. How are they not in school? Or like this, like, you know, I was, my brain was like, no, someone would have gone in and checked, but I guess if she had the perfect cover of like, no, we're homeschooling them. And then also like- Well, and if the dad's like a a brainiac and works for this like JPL or wherever he worked for, like if it doesn't seem like there's anything, the kids aren't being harmed. The only Mm -hmm. way that- they would know the kids are being harmed as if the kids went somewhere and were like, someone's hurting me or yeah. if they saw bruises or, you know, whatever. But if the kids are basically in prison in their own home, there's no one for them to tell. Yeah. And even if they, they tell, I mean, who do they have to talk to each other, but they don't think anything's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it like makes me so insanely like full of rage. Um, so the younger kids are basically into um, the system. So mm-hmm. they're going to be, if, I'm pretty sure they're all adopted and have homes now. But the older kids basically are all being helped by the state. Mm-hmm. So there was a ton of money raised so that they can get cars and get jobs and get housing. So the older ones all live together um, from the latest article. I don't. It's been a couple of years, so I don't know if that's still the case. But... Now they're having a hard time. They have to ask for money. One of the the older son wanted to ask for money to get a bicycle so he could ride, get to his job. And I'm like, how is that? Does he have to ask? Mm -hmm. How are they not like providing them with what they need? Um, But it just goes to show you that there's definitely room for improvement in the system to make sure that kids are taken care of. And also for other people to open your eyes a little bit to 
see something like that because mm-hmm. it's it's a really tough spot to be put in. We don't we don't know who was around them that would have maybe known something yeah. and didn't say anything. Um, and I'm sure all of those people aren't going to come out and be like, oh yeah, I saw something was wrong and I didn't say yeah, anything. Yeah, I didn't say because you don't. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to have that on you. But I mean, I mean, I just think of like where I live now. I feel like I would notice if there was a house that had 13 kids living in it. Or like every year the mom is coming home with a new baby in her hand. Yeah. You know, or, or you hear babies cry. Babies yeah. cry. I mean, I feel like it's kind of impossible to not hear. I mean, we live in a neighborhood. People have dogs and like even the, oh, the yeah. tiniest dog barks and you can hear it. Mm-hmm. So if a baby's screaming at the top of their lungs, unless none of their children made a peep. Like I never, cri- I never really cried when I was little. But so. I mean, one maybe like one baby. But if you have thirteen, that's true. The chances of all, all thirteen of them being silent, silent. and like perfect infants, um, and also like you can't, you're not feeding them. They only get one meal a day. Like yeah. kids are going to be cranky and throw fits and temper tantrums. Like and that's what I'm like. Did it? I'm like wondering. Did it start right off the bat? Did it get worse over time? Like. I, I mean, just, I feel like it was a pattern. So many questions. <laughs> it was a pattern that happened for all of them. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Maybe it was only when they had a certain amount of, we'll never really know. Yeah. You know, because the kids would be, would have been too little to explain what was happening when they were two. They're not going to remember. Yeah. You'd have to wait till there was enough of them that were old enough to see it happening yeah, to the to other ones. Yeah, to be like, ones. oh, this is what they're doing to my little sister. Yeah. So, I mean- in this case, people are asking, you know, why did they do it? Um, is there a reason? Can we explain why this happened? Because so it doesn't happen again. And I'm like, I don't think there's, there's no reason. Mm-hmm. There's, we can't say, oh, she did it because she was abused. Like, there's plenty of people that have experienced traumatic mm-hmm. things in their lives and they are not chaining their kids to beds and yeah. not feeding them. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone handles things differently, but it's, there's still, there's nothing that excuses this right and the fact that it's a mother and a father and there's two people and they're both on the same team and they both think that this is okay yeah um i i'm i'm glad they are rotting in prison and we said this before i said i in my mind as i'm reading these stories i'm thinking of like the most terrible ways of things that should be done to these people Mm -hmm. that feel that it's okay to do this to other people and um it got pretty dark in my mind so i'm not going to go there yet but trust me i was like these situations i mean they should be their their sentence should be insane and it should last 20 it should last as long as they did this to their kids Mm -hmm. i was like tie them to horses and slowly rip their body parts (laughs) apart but make it last 24 years 24 years it's, did they keep trading out the horses? Yeah, the horses are like, we did Getting not tired. sign yeah, up for this. Yeah, those poor horses did not sign up for that. They're like, I need to move. Um, but yeah, I just, whew, that was a tough one. The show was the really tough to watch, but I'm glad that I watched it um, because in I'd never heard about it. And I'm yeah. like, how? how? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring awareness how to happen? it. And now yeah. you have something to look out for in the yeah. world and stuff because like that. Hopefully help other yeah. people. Oh, okay. I'm going to take a breath and you can go now. <laughs> it doesn't go get cry any, in this it corner. It doesn't get any better with this one. Um, this is one of those stories that um, I found out about. Not, I didn't, like, I wasn't following along as it was happening in the news and stuff like that. Um, but it was one that I found through, like, you know, those YouTube videos that are like 10 scariest videos mm-hmm. or like, 10 Top 10 abductions. You didn't know. Yeah. This one was um, 
surprisingly, this is like, I think it was like this many weird instances on Google Maps. So that's what got me aware of the story because um, I don't know if it's the same now because the house is demolished now, mm -hmm. but before at least, if you tried to look up the address um, on Google Maps, the house was blurred. So you can actually do this for your own house. Like mm -hmm. if you don't want your house to show up on Google Maps, you can contact Google and be like, I don't want my house to be shown. It's like a, like, you know, it's a privacy, a privacy thing. thing yeah. um, so this is the story of Ariel Castro, um, who held Gina de Jesus, uh, Michelle Knight, and Amanda Berry captive for 11 years. Um, he, <sighs> I hate yeah, him already. No, it's awful. I'm not. I'm not going to give you much of his backstory because he is a POS and yeah. we do not need to give any attention to him. Um, I will only say that he was born in 1960. So at the time of the first kidnapping, kidnapping, he was, I think he was 42. Um, he was a school bus driver. Um, he was <sighs> let go because of bad judgment uh, because he made an, a, an illegal U-turn with kids on the bus. Um, he used the bus to go grocery shopping. <laughs> He uh, left a kid on the bus. I was going to say the unattended. first two. The first two are like not that. I'm like sometimes you, you made the wrong turn. And you're like I just got to flip a bitch real quick. <laughs> but with the kids in the car, the grocery thing, I'm like whatever. I mean that seems like I, convenient. I know there's a lot of people that use company cars, but I mean, but also a school a bus. A school bus, yeah. That's it seems like it'd be hard to park at Ralph's with yeah, the school bus. Um, because he's parking way in the back. Um, he left the bus unattended while he went home and took a nap. So. Bad judgment. Yeah. Um, he was divorced, had four kids, which is a situation where I'm like, how did, how did like no one know? And his kids and family said like, you know, going over to the house. They, they didn't would, live there. The kids didn't the live kids with him. The kids didn't live with him. But they would go and visit, but they, it was more like a, oh, you don't go into this room. This door is locked. This area is locked. Um, he kept the three of them upstairs um, in the upper part of the house. So, um, Michelle Knight, she disappeared on August 23rd, 2002. She was, um, leaving a cousin's house. She was 21 years old. Um, she at that time already had a son, but unfortunately he was in the system. Mm -hmm. So she had a court date, um, where she was going to go and try to get custody of him. She missed the court date, um, because she had this kind of past, the authorities assumed, oh, she's a runaway. Mm. We're like, you know, there we we feel like she ran away voluntarily because she didn't want to deal with this deal issue. With so he picked her up in the van, leaving her cousin's house. Um, about um, like how did she just? I didn't hear her tell her story on how it happened. Mm -hmm. It just like said it that was... she was leaving a cousin's house got it. and okay. he got her then. The other two are insane. Um, Amanda Berry disappeared on April 21st, 2003. Um, she was leaving. She she was at work. She worked at Burger King. Um, she called her um, she called her sister to say that she was going to be leaving work. She then called another friend to get a ride home from work and that her friend didn't pick up the phone. So she's like, OK, I'll just walk home. So she started walking home and um, she described it as there was a van in a driveway and she had to walk around it. And as she was about to walk around it, she noticed 
a girl sitting in the side, like, you know, in the passenger, passenger seat. And she thought she may have recognized her. So she was like, oh, maybe that's someone who I went to school with or who I worked with. So, she, you know, being a nice person, she smiled, mm-hmm. then kept going along her way. Then the van pulls up next to her, was like, do you need a ride? Um, so he was using the other girl as bait to be safe. like, no, we're fine. I have yeah. a, a young girl your age. Yeah. Come on, we'll give you a ride. So she <sighs> felt trusting and um, unfortunately um, also got captured by him. Yeah. At first, once again, the police considered her a runaway. Um, but, which is the thing that's like weird. A week after her disappearance, um, someone, which I'm assuming is Ariel Castro, used her cell phone to call her mom and said, um, I have Amanda, she's fine, and we'll be coming home in a couple days. Like, what? But a man did? It was the it was man's a, It was voice? an unidentified man. That's what I read on her cell phone a week after she had been missing. And, and did that, like, that have then the cops it yeah, to, to be, be like, like wait, no, never mind, she's not a runaway. Yeah. Uh, she was featured on a 2004 segment of America's Most Wanted, which <clears throat> then got her, by the, by the time she was featured on that, the um, other girl had been, um, had gone been captured already so they kind of looked at both of those stories and were like hey these might be related so then they linked those two stories and she was featured on a few other ones um she was also on the montel williams show where a psychic uh said that she was dead and was in water so which is awful because that just gives your yeah that makes your family who are holding out hope that things are okay that it's not yeah like I, I, we hear this all the time where there's like psychics who are like, like I understand there might be some who genuinely want to help and might know something or not know something, but like, you know, might help in some way. Yeah. But for the most part, it seems like most of the time it just derails the whole investigation, the whole investigation and, and also messes things up. If that were me and I had a vision and I'm like, matter of fact, I, I see this person, I know where she's at. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go on TV yeah. I'm going to go to that person's house and be like, I or don't just go know. straight to the police and say this. Yeah. Or the family or the police or whatever to tell the people that can actually do something about it. Yeah. Um, because I genuinely want to help where in that case it was like, I genuinely want some attention. She just wants television time. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, Gina De Jesus was, uh, disappeared on April 2nd, 2004. And that's another thing that's crazy. Cause it's 2002, 2003, 2004. These are right. These are very close in times where he is just snatching. Um, So she was 14. This one is especially, like, just insane. She was actually friends with his daughter. (sighs) So they were both walking home from school. They stopped off at a payphone. Um, His daughter called uh, her mom because she was like, oh, I want to go stay at Gina's house. Her mom said no. So they went their separate ways. No. Ariel uh, Castro came up to her in his van and said, hey, have you seen my daughter? And she's like, yeah, I was just with her. And he's like, well, can you help me find her? And of course, like, this is your friend's dad. That was her friend, yeah. It's someone that you feel like you should be able to trust. Yeah. 
And she said, yeah, I'll help you because it's her friend. Yeah. She wants and to she help. And she was just with her. So, yeah. yeah. Jumped in the car instead of turning around to like go and try to like, you know, where they last were right. or like, you know, to try and go and help. Drove straight home. Oh, my God. So, uh. um, obviously, things were not easy for these girls. Um, he, like, th- right off the bat, brought them brought them home. They were all held in separate rooms, uh, chained. Um, G- uh, Gina and Amanda were, ex- I watched an interview with the both of them, and they were explaining how they were actually technically chained to each other, but through the wall. Oh, um, so it's not, it wasn't like an item, like a, a chair or something. Yeah. They couldn't escape because they yeah. were stuck to They're each stuck other. stuck to each other. Um, <sighs> sexual abuse, emotional abuse, constantly being told that I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all the that whole stuff. Stockholm syndrome thing. Yep. And, and we mentioned it earlier, but that is basically the idea of um, when people always ask, why didn't they leave? Mm-hmm. Why, why did they stay? And so it's, it's psychological and mental abuse he's he's basically telling them i'm the reason you're alive yeah i am keeping you alive so you start to have this relationship with your captor and you're basically grateful that they are keeping you alive meanwhile they're holding the idea of your death over you yeah he would play games with them so he would purposefully leave something unlocked Mm. to see if they would try to escape and if they would they would. They were punished, punished for, it. for it greatly. Right. He was raping them, and a few of them had gotten pregnant, and he would cause miscarriages Abort to the them babies. because obviously having a baby in the house will that's cause harder questions. to hide. They yeah. cry, like yeah. we were saying, like you know, babies cry. So and where did the single guy? Yeah, where did the single guy get a baby from? Yeah, um, Amanda did get pregnant, kept it a secret from him, and actually did give birth to a baby girl. Um, and like, that's another thing, like he would then take the baby to family events and be like, oh, this is my girlfriend's baby from a past relationship. Or this is my, he would show people pictures of the child and be like, this is my grandchild. Like just make up, like give different backstories on who this child is and stuff like that. Um, how how do you see just a man and he just shows up with a random baby and you're like like your family like uh, I'm sure people were like that's kind of weird but like that's he was true single, I guess if you, yeah if you're like so oh, like maybe he, a he was date yeah, yeah that's the thing that story I mean Trust it would no be one. weird there could be like like I can see like you know drama and like uh, the, them like talking gossip. like isn't that weird yeah gossipy but, kind of but stuff probably but not probably enough. nothing to like really be like maybe this is happening right amanda this as sweet as she because the baby ended up being six years old by the time they escaped um and it was so it was both heartbreaking and heartwarming because she was amanda was explaining how she tried to make life as normal for the baby as possible like she kind of walked through a normal day where she was like yeah like you know when she got to kindergarten age she like made she tried to make up the room to look like a little kindergarten. So she'd be like, okay, let's get up. We're going to go to school. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, oh, let's oh, look both ways before crossing the street. So when like she gets trying out. Trying to make it as normal as possible right. for her. Which She's is, able just to function so when hard. she gets out. Oh my God. Yeah. How do you? Oh. Which is so hard. Another thing with Amanda, a prison, a, uh, a prison inmate tried to claim that he killed her. 
as like a like a plea so he was like oh i'll bring her you to her body oh. type thing and that of course like creates a whole thing yeah um but yeah he they would he would just do awful things to them um uh gina was saying how like you know her mom was um out um handing out flyers for her missing kid and he would go up to the mom and be like oh let like me get a flyer what an oh asshole. do you know where she is do you know anything and then would go back to the house and give the flyer to her and be like oh look your mom's looking for you and where she is this guy he's in he we'll get to it she didn't um, even pulled apart by the horses with the other ones yeah so and she and it she would hold on to it and be like this was the like, you know, this is something that my mom held. I need to, like, you know, hold it close yeah. to me because it's something And, like, people are, least, people are still looking for me. People are still looking for me. Amanda, one, he, Ariel asked her, like, do you want anything from the store? And she was like, yeah, you know. He's like, would you like any, like, coloring books or anything like that? And she's like, yeah. It would be nice to have coloring books and maybe a journal. So she actually kept a journal the entire time. Oh, wow. And would keep track of, like, certain things that would happen. But she would code it. So, like, if he ever found, like, you know, if he ever found it and read it, he wouldn't know, like, she what was she keeping was track meaning. of how yeah. many times he abused her and how many times this happened and, like, you know, certain things. Yeah. Because how she old, was... How old was she again when she got abducted? Uh, she had just turned 16. Okay. Um, 16, 17. So, she was, like, definitely... So, the youngest one was 14, right? Yes. When she, but still at an age where you're very aware of, mm -hmm. like things going on you're not yeah. like a, they're not children they're they weren't children. eight or nine where there's yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. these were young women um a uh, year after gina disappeared the fbi released a composite sketch of him but it was like just wrong it said that uh, the description of him was latino 25 to 35 years old 5 foot 10 165 to 180 pounds with green eyes a goatee and possibly a pencil thin beard uh Ariel Castro was five foot ten, 179 pounds with brown eyes and a goatee. So where did they get that from? Um, I think finally, I think someone may have said that they may have saw something. Saw her and then yeah. or saw one of the girls. But didn't say anything. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe didn't think that. anything. Because if you saw if you saw his daughter's friend get into the car, yeah. that interaction wouldn't have seemed like it's anything, anything crazy. Wrong. He's yeah. like, can you help me? And she's like, sure, I can. And she gets in. Yeah. So, like, he didn't really do anything with any of them that made it seem as if, like, you would see that happening down the street and be like, it's oh, like something was like wrong. He, like, pulled up, grabbed her exactly. as she's screaming. They all kind of like, willingly get like in. Something like that could make someone be like, uh, that doesn't seem right. But yeah. someone getting into a van, you don't know if they know each other. That's yeah. something that you don't even, like, pay attention to right. most of the it time. It doesn't draw your eye at all. Yeah. Um, so, thankfully, they finally escaped. On May 6, 2013, Ariel Castro left the house. Um he had left the big inside door unlocked. So I think that was like um, one of the main doors that was holding them in. Mm -hmm. um, Amanda, Berry, Amanda Berry realized that that door was unlocked and was like, this is my time to try to escape. But yeah. she was, she, she was, was the one terrified. Not, was she the one chained to the other one or were those the other two? No, she was, she was she, normally chained to Gina, but I think at this point she wasn't okay. because it was talking about how she was explaining how that day her daughter was like walking up and down the stairs and she was telling her daughter, 
has he left? Is he here? And she's like, I don't see him. And she's like, well, go check here, go check here. So the daughter was able to, to kind of walk around. It right. Because like. she I'm was not, probably too small to be able to do anything to help them escape. Yeah. Um, or so he thought. Yeah. So, and Amanda was like saying she like, like, you know, she didn't jump into trying to escape right away because he had tr- like, you know, she, he had done those he was testing mm, the them test, before. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he's gone. So she, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm gone. Try to escape and yeah. see what happens. So she was hesitant. Um, she went to this, I think it was like kind of like a screen door type thing when she finally realized this could be my chance, was screaming outside of the, the door. Thankfully, a neighbor came up and um, a few like came over to try and help and they they broke the bottom of the door and she crawled out with her with her child um, and was like i've been I here need for you a to decade. call 911 yeah. and they're like okay and and you can hear the um the the 911 call she called 911 cuz she went to a neighbor's house and it's like like it's it's it, it just hits you so deep cuz she's like she's like help me i've been kidnapped and i've been missing for 10 years oh my god and I'm here. I'm free now. Yeah. Um, so responding officers showed up to the house, rescued the other two. Uh, Gina was saying how that day she was in her room watching TV and she didn't even realize that the people coming in were police. She thought it was Ariel Castro coming in who found Amanda and was like upset with her. her. Back. Yeah. So he thought she was like, oh, no. She's been caught trying to escape and she was worried, but then it was the, thankfully it was the police and they were able to get them out of there. Can you imagine being to the point where she's in her room watching TV? She's in her room doing a thing that everyday people do Mm -hmm. and to the point where she's probably so physically and mentally exhausted that she is accepted. I'm not going to try to escape anymore mm-hmm. like that 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 thought of freedom has completely left their mind because it's this not is even a possibility their, this is just their life i'm just gonna this is where i am i'm just gonna relax and watch tv mm-hmm. and like like hearing, that's the only joy that she has yeah hearing those words hearing you say that is like my mind can't even understand how anytime he came into the room you weren't trying to jab his eyeballs out yeah but i also was not in her shoes. Mm-hmm. I wasn't receiving the mental and physical abuse and sexual abuse for years yeah. and years and years to the point where you're like, well, this is my life. Yeah. And, and you just give up. Yeah. And like you said, just exhausted. Like they were similar to the other story, only allowed one meal a day. They don't have um, the energy to fight anymore. Yeah. Like they just, the abuser knows how to break you down mm-hmm. and they break you down so much to where, you cannot help yourself. It's it awful. Um, so let's get to <laughs> the end. Then. So he was arrested the same day. Um, he was charged. Originally, he was charged with four counts of kidnapping, three counts of rape, prison, uh, with a which in Ohio has a prison sentence of 10 years. Um, bail was set as, at $2 million per kidnapping charge. Uh, which another thing that I thought was interesting, which I don't know if they've ever done this for other cases. Wait, bail? That's what I'm like. Hold on, hold on. What? I know. I how they shouldn't set any bail. No, you I think. Be I mean, it's so in a it's such a large number. But, yeah. Um. So in the end, he was 
charged. So they charged um, a kidnapping charge for each day that they were being held captive. So um, at at the end, it totaled 977 charges against him, which 512 counts of kidnapping, 446 of rape, seven of gross sexual mis- sexual imposition, six of felonious assault, and three of t- child endanger- endangerment, two aggravated murder, one possession of criminal tools. Was that for the babies? I It probably was, yeah. yeah. Um, so he ended up pleading guilty to 937 of them. Because um, he didn't do the rest. Yeah. Give yeah, me a break. Like yeah. Um, he took a plea, plea bargain, which was for life in prison plus a thousand years, uh, no parole. Of hope. Uh, I, and he was I, fined $100,000 and forfeited of all of his property and assets. The fact that he's in Ohio... I don't know That's if they have the death charged. penalty. So they must not, I don't, they must not have the death penalty. Like that is. I think no, because he took a plea Oh, bargain. he took a plea. But why was like, blows my mind. That guy yeah. should have just been taken out. And I know that sounds kind of ruthless, but someone that can do that to other people, impregnate innocent children, murder their babies, hold them for over yeah. a decade, take their lives away from them. These girls are going to be traumatized for the rest of their entire, Mm -hmm. they might heal, but that is something that they will never be able to just walk out the door and trust people. And just be like, whatever. Yeah. And live their life. They always have that hanging over them. That person should, he should be tied to those horses. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't in my mind think of something that would be more like insane and worse and take longer, but he should not be able to wake up in a prison cell every day and have three meals a day and yeah. go work out in the yard and watch TV and all like get out of here. Yeah, I think most of the time when they try to do a plea bargain, it's mostly also just to save the family from having to go through like a, a an actual trial, a trial, having yeah. to live through all of that. Yeah. Horror. It's not fair, but I mean. Yeah, Um, but he doesn't stay in prison for too long. So the aftermath, like I said, the the house was demolished um, on August 7th, 2013. Michelle Knight was there and they, um, her, I think, I forgot, one of the mothers was the first one to uh, hit the house with the the bulldozer or like the... The wrecking ball thing. The wrecking ball. Um, So... Castro being a POS, he was found hanging from a bedsheet in his detention cell on the evening of September 3rd, 2013. So not too long after, like, you know, he, yeah, was, he was convicted in prison. In prison. Um, they, they didn't have, it, it was saying that they didn't have him on suicide watch, uh, but they were checking on him every 30 minutes. There was also like a, a weird thing where they they were like, well, maybe it wasn't suicide. Maybe it was an accident. Like, maybe it was, like, some, like, like sexual, sexual act that he was kind of doing thing. and he accidentally killed himself. But um, after an investigation, they read, like, his prison journals and stuff like that. And they were like, no, it it must, it, all signs point to, to suicide. He, and, but, and that's frustrating, too, because you're like, the, you you did all of this. You and did then, all this horrible thing. horrendous stuff and you couldn't even own up to it to pay for it and like i see both sides where yeah locking them up forever and and taking away everything that they the freedoms that they had before is 
awful and that's how they serve their time. But then in that case where he's just like, nope, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not even going to like, like he, I guess he sort of faced his crimes, but not, like not really. He took a plea bargain and... And he took the easy way out. Yeah. And ultimately, like, we are grateful that he is gone because he can't hurt anyone mm-hmm. in the future. But, yeah, you're just like, you did not deserve it to be that easy. And yeah. I hope that all of those girls are living their best life. I hope so, too. The, I saw some, like I said, I like I watched a few interviews with them in the aftermath. And, like, it's amazing how they can still talk about it in a way that doesn't seem like, like, they're not talking about the same like kind of robotic no emotion type of way it obviously carries a lot of emotion for them but they seem just so strong um i think a few of them have written books um and are going on to like live their life and i think what's interesting is so both of our stories are very they're the same topic of being held captive, but under completely different circumstances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my story with the Turpin family, these kids didn't know any better. They didn't, they, they just grew up in this world and this life that that was normal to them. Um, In your story, these girls were young women. They had lives, Mm -hmm. they probably had goals and aspirations and they, it was taken away from them. So I think the Turpin family, is able, those kids are able to learn things, they're able to, I mean, although it's going to be very difficult, Mm -hmm. but these girls have this trauma that is, it's traumatic in both cases, but in very different ways. Yeah. So it's, wow, it just, like, it just sucks. It sucks that people are capable of that. It sucks that these these people have to live the rest of their lives knowing what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know both of us had more stories, but I feel like we wouldn't do injustice by going through them quickly because yeah. they're all um, very crazy stories. So it might be a topic that we're going to have to eventually revisit to yeah. um Cause unfortunately there's like, there's too many stories that are, are like this. Yeah. It's heartbreaking and you just want the survivors to go on and live the best life that they can after something like nothing should nothing no, like this should no, ever happen no to and i i honestly like it makes me think i'm like i know this is like maybe a little too intense but i feel like in elementary school you need to be taught like simple self-defense things things like i know we're all told of things to look out for mm-hmm. but it doesn't always it doesn't always it's not always so apparent yeah. of what's happening. So when you're put in those situations, like once you realize, oh, maybe this isn't the right thing. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's also just like, it's, it's a really crappy situation because these girls should have been able to walk home alone Absolutely. and get home safe. Yeah. Like we are definitely not blaming them if or anything like that. Well, they were, tr- I mean, that is like, it's, trickery to the max yeah it's it's just it's, they did nothing wrong it's so sad that they couldn't just walk home alone. yeah and i mean that's the the day and age that we're in i think the one great thing that we have that they didn't have is now we have technology there's mm-hmm. cctv footage everywhere everyone has a cell phone kids that age had kids now yeah. have phones at eight years old um so although in some cases i don't always agree with that but i think in the case of safety and being able to uh, your parents know where you are with the geolocation, the tagging and mm-hmm. all of that. And you being able to contact dial 911 and all of that is definitely in our favor now. And it makes it a lot more difficult for people to be able to pull this stuff off. Um, but I mean, 
that's not everywhere. Yeah. You know, we're in, you know, we're in Southern California where most kids do have a phone, but I'm sure if you're in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, it's very different. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Wow. The entire time I was like, this is so hard to listen to. Yeah. Doing research for it. I'm just like, this is, this is rough. Well, and it seemed like a great topic. We're like, oh, we've never talked about this. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why, because it is, it is just crazy that this day and age stuff like this still happens and it's going to happen till the end of time. There's never going to be a, a, I hope that it, we come to a time where everything is safe and you can walk home at night and you don't have a worry in the world. Um, but unfortunately we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. So circling back to your story is like, have your eyes open, be aware. Um, I know we usually talk about like horror movies and spooky stuff, but I feel like the real life stuff is almost scarier. Mm -hmm. And, um, if we can provide any sort of information to just make people keep your eyes open. Yeah, be more aware, but then also like these stories are tragic, but bringing awareness to this type of stuff is also very important. Like, you know, bringing help to the survivors and things like that. And the fact that these girls um, and girls and boys are able to tell their story and that they feel that they, that they are strong enough to be able to stand up and say what happened to them and like, put that story in the minds of other young people to be Mm -hmm. like, I, you know, I remember that story of that one girl and having you take that moment to think, well, maybe this isn't right. I remember that. And it just puts that thought in your mind of like, just be aware. I I don't know. I feel like I keep repeating myself, but it's just, it's so. It's important. It's, it's super important and be safe. I mean, we live in a crazy world and there's no need for any of this to ever happen. And if, I think really if you ever see anything where you're like, hey, maybe something's not right, even if you're completely wrong, even yeah, if you see something happen. The worst thing happen, that happens is it's nothing. It's nothing. But the fact that if you are aware of something and you say something and you could be the reason that someone survives. So, whew. Yeah. Um, and with that, I think that will do it for this episode of Let's Get Spooky. Uh, we'll definitely have to circle back. And I think um, there's a couple films that I definitely want to watch that are based on some of these stories. So when we do circle back, we can touch upon them as well. Um, yeah, I'm Vamp. I'm AJ. And don't forget to stay spooky. Stay spooky.